stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's very own David Bartosiak. He's the editor of Zach's Surprise Trader and Blockchain Innovators newsletters, but he's also our resident expert on all things autos, and he's been on the podcast several times over the years. I can't even keep track of how many times to talk about autos, the the industry, what's going on in it. And there's certainly a lot going on in it now here in 2022. So this should make for a very interesting conversation this week. And not even just like in the industry, but with the auto stocks, including those that are not just the manufacturers, but the auto retailers, the suppliers. A lot of these stocks have come way down off their highs. Are they cheap? Should we be buying them? And what's happening with the semiconductors, the used car market, electric vehicles? It's on and on and on in this topic, Dave. Uh, So welcome. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, like um, I kind of wanted to start with the actual stocks because people do turn into this podcast for, you know, stock tips and things like that. And I know people love to own the auto manufacturers and a lot of them, well, all of them have come down off their highs here in 2022. So I'm wondering if you could, uh, you know, give us some of your insights into some of these We've talked about them in the past. When you have liked certain ones in the past, maybe you like them more now. Maybe you still think, no, I wouldn't own any of the manufacturers. I don't know. So that's why I kind of wanted to go over what's going on in that area. And why don't we start with Tesla? Because I can't remember a time, it would have been years ago, (laughs) when we did this type of podcast and Tesla was down, I think it's down like 35% or something year to date so far. And so is this a buying opportunity in Tesla now that it's come down off these highs? Well, if you are a believer in the future of Tesla and Elon's vision, then yes, this is a great buying opportunity. Okay. If if you are buying Tesla because you believe it's a solid automotive um, company, then no, don't buy Tesla. Okay. uh, The reason (laughs) that's a good distinction. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, that's why it's one of the most highly debated stocks. Yeah. The market. And it it always has been and always will be. And um, it's really polarizing when you talk about Tesla because when you compare it, compare Tesla's valuations to the rest of the auto market, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And it will never make sense because, you know, it's Tesla. Um, and, and then the, the argument, of course, is that, well, you know, this is not just an automotive company. It's an EV infrastructure pr- play. It's, uh, you know, it's an it's an energy company, essentially, also with yeah. uh, you know, their solar roof installations and and, and things like that. So uh, that's kind of where where the argument is, you know, with with Tesla. But, you know, Tesla's forward P.E. right now is that, you know, 56. Yeah, okay. um, that's, that's up there. Co- yeah, compare that to the broad market at 17. And my favorite, the industry comparison, let's take a stab at it. 10. 2.9. What? <laughs> 2.9. Um, the automotive domestic uh, industry. Now, 
so if you're looking for value, um, obviously there's there's other stocks uh, in in that business that you could look at um, yeah. that are going to be much better valuations and 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 probably have a less volatile um, path moving forward. Okay. But we're all kind of everybody's wrestling with the same thing, and is the electrification of their uh, of their fleet, and, yeah. and how does that happen? What does it look like? Um, and and moving forward, you know, who's really going to be a big player? So I know Tesla's got that huge head start, right? Yeah, um, for sure. And you know, with between, I think if you look up the most sold EVs in the U.S. It's like the model, the model three in the, um, the model S, right? Yeah. Uh, and then a distant third is Ford's electric, uh, the like the lightning 150, the pickup okay. truck they've got now. Right. Um, the granted that just kind of got started this whole electric pickup world, um, with a practical electric pickup world, but, uh, it's got a, it's got a long way to go. So. I don't yes. know why people think that having electric cars in the future is suddenly going to make the automotive manufacturers that much more profitable than when they were manufacturing internal combustion engine cars. <laughs> right. It I seems even more I'm, complex to me and more expensive. I don't fully understand why. Um, and, and we've kind of seen it. I think part of it is, okay, well, think of what a TV cost 50 years ago versus what a TV right. costs today, right? I remember my dad going down on, on over on Lake Cook in Deerfield, and he, he went to this place. He got a 35-inch TV, and I think it was like a tax return, and he saved up a bunch of, uh, you know, not just pennies, but well, uh, my, my, my dad's a, a dental technician, so... He used to work with gold a lot, and the gold shavings would fly into his vacuum, and then he'd clean it out once a year, and he'd get a bunch of money, right? So uh, that's what he used, and he bought his TV. I, I want to say it was like $1,800. Yeah, and, it used to be a luxury like, item. It was in the 90s. Yeah, it was yeah. like 1800 bucks yeah. in the 90s, which is a lot of money today. Yeah. Uh, whereas now you can go to Walmart and get a 65-inch for like 500 bucks. Aren't EVs kind of going the opposite way? We had like cheap cars for our for many years, many decades. And now the EVs are making it so like the price is doubling in some cases. Well, because of, but that's because of what segment of the automotive market they're targeting EVs. So okay. what I mean by that is they're not coming in and going, oh, you remember the Geo Metro back in the day, right? They're not, they're yeah. not making like electric Geo Metros right now. No, they're making the Porsche Taycan, right? Yeah. They're making they're 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 making this, um, you know, like the 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 high end Rivian trucks, right? That are that are going after like the the eighty thousand dollar, you know, giant Silverados that they have out there, right? So it's this initial push is kind of coming towards the luxury end of the market, so they're kind of commanding or demanding those those higher prices, but but they were just kind of following with what Tesla was doing, right? So, so, so now to try to make it go back and make it cheaper with the cheaper stuff, you're, you're going to have that. And I think it's going to happen out of necessity. Um, but also what's happened a lot is 
instead of having a big V8 inside of most of these, you know, now you've got a, a, a two liter four cylinder turbo that is powering sort of the low end vehicles and even some of the high end vehicles. So right. uh, they have sort of these cheaper power plants um, inside of them. So you don't right now, like to your point is, is how complex a lot of these EV systems are. They haven't quite figured out how to make them cheap enough to put them in the lower end cars. Right. But they will. Even the price of the batteries alone. And, and I, I do agree with you that uh, someone they'll figure out, they'll innovate and figure out how to make it cheaper. Like your example with the televisions. Yeah. And they will out of necessity. Yeah. Um, not just from an economic standpoint, but from a regulatory standpoint. Um, right where they have no choice. I mean, you've got, you know, uh, not just in Europe, where they, they want to ban internal combustion engines by 2035 in Europe. That's not that far away. No. It's really not in the grand scheme of things. No. Uh, California, they want, um, I think they, they want to be phased out, or they want, they want 5 million zero emission vehicles by 2030 in California. Right. Uh, New Jersey wants 85% of their light duty vehicles to be electric by 2040. Uh, so there's all this stuff happening all over the place. But isn't the demand going to be there? Because I was reading an article comparing California with what China has done with its regulatory mandates that it's putting in place. And they're already, so they started theirs like two years ago, like during the pandemic. So it was bad timing, but um, they're already ahead of their like points they were supposed to be at by 2025 to get to the certain level. They're already way ahead. And they're kind of surprised by that, the you know experts on it all, because they thought people would kind of hold back and not convert over to electric or wait to the last minute or whatever they're going to do. But instead, they do want to just convert over. But where's where's the cars? There's not enough. Well, China, China didn't have hundreds of years of them, of everybody sort of in 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 their middle class having cars though yet. Right. right? This is sort of a new thing where these people are 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 getting cars. Um, I mean, right. over especially relative to the U.S. And I think China's population in general, you know, you got all these people moving from the rural areas going into these cities where uh, you know an EV makes sense. But if you're in, you know, if if you're out in the middle of the state somewhere. Um, you're you're not necessarily going to say, okay, yeah, give me that EV so I can so I can go to work and back every day, and then try to figure out where I'm going to plug it in, right? Uh, when I get For back. For sure, so. there's there's definitely infrastructure issues going Colossal. on in the United States. Yeah, I mean, our country is not Europe. We're we're really spread out. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues. Yeah, there's areas where where it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, in the areas where where it doesn't make sense, and um, it's. It it is cool to see, you know. I'm kind of like a dealer addict, right? I, I like I, I go to right. I go to car dealers like you go to open houses, right? <laughs> like that's just like a hobby of mine. I like to go check them out. Yeah. I got a lot of friends in the business, and I, you know, I, I kind of do channel checks and see what's going on. Uh, and and there have been a lot more EVs on lots, but it's not just okay. the fact that there's EVs; it's the fact that like the prominence that they have at the dealership. So. You know, I walk into Audi and they got their new RS7 e-tron, whatever it's called. 
e-tron yeah. gt thing and it's right there front and center in the middle of the dealership like they're really trying to show it off okay. uh, whereas you know before it was kind of like going yeah we get this then there's this electric thing over here in the back you know so you didn't go to chevy and have like a volt like front and center right um right. it was the corvette <laughs> that was there right yeah yeah uh, so so that's that's starting to starting to change change a little bit and and people are becoming much more open you know to the to the ev idea but um it's 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 going to be tough to get that mass adoption if you live in an apartment complex you're not buying an ev right because where are you going to get where are you going to juice up if you're in a certain a lot of condo buildings don't have anywhere where you can park and, and Correct. not yet up. yeah or if you did maybe you got one or two spots or five spots or ten spots but it's not the hundred that you need right right so um those are those are major major challenges that uh the market's gonna have to figure out and then yeah. you know and then just the demand on the electric grid that is gonna mm -hmm. happen when everybody's trying to juice up at home yeah um or on the road or whatever so you know these are challenges that are already popping up i mean you get these stories about you know the tesla superchargers in california and how there's a line waiting for hours and stuff like that right. um right. you know and those are those are kind of popping up here you know little by little but you know I, I i can tell you you know i have friends who have evs that will do you know trips across the state yeah and they're still having to plan out like okay let me make sure there's a charger over there so if i need to i can yeah. stop there it's like the range anxiety still hasn't really right. gone away now of course there's technology that everybody's working on they can fix that i saw there's a battery swap for the tesla that'll get you almost 800 miles of range on a oh. single charge so there's like aftermarket companies that'll pimp out your ev you know to yeah. give you to give you a longer range but those are still you know major challenges aside from just the the demand side of things right um and so I think right now, you know, the commuter cars, people are still very much open to having a commuter that's an EV. But, um, you know, for the work trucks and things like that, they're still they're still hesitant. And um, I think in, in some parts of the country, um, you know, the, the thought is just much different than others. Right. What, what I have noticed is here in Florida, it's it we're they're less. Uh, open to the to the prospect of EV adoption really? that you might get in you know in downtown Chicago. I'm kind of surprised by that because there are so many who just ride their golf carts around and aren't those electric charged? A lot of them. I uh, you know so absolutely yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So you'd think they would be like, oh, I already do this with my golf cart. So what's the difference? The 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 old people living in the in the villages. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they would be early adopters. But you don't need a car. You got a golf cart, so you're good. I guess so. Yeah. So they already have it. They've already adopted, I guess. <laughs> um, okay. So on all that commentary, then some of these other car companies, other than Tesla, look pretty cheap right here, as you were just kind of mentioning. The industry itself is cheap. So I have General Motors with a PE of just 5.7. Now, Ford is at 6.7. They're both down over 30% year-to-date. Toyota is at 8.9. It's down 27% year-to-date. Should I be looking around at some of these? They they definitely have gone on sale. So um, I think I've said this before. Uh, I hate Ford so much. 
because um, <laughs> okay. people have asked me for decades, like, should I buy Ford? And I always want to say know. yes. I okay. always want to say yes, right? And then you're always wrong. The only time you were mm. right is if you told them at the COVID lows. Uh, okay. And then the thing shoots up over 24. And then, you know, take out, you know, reset the clock on January 1st. And then we're right back to that situation where everybody's scratching their head wondering, hey, why, why isn't Ford worth more money? Yeah. Um, like we're paying almost 5% on a dividend here, right? Uh, right? It's not going anywhere. You know, it's this huge automotive company. They've made a ton of strides in, in the EV space, a ton of investments in that sort of yeah. micro mobility, like all of that. Uh, but you got, you know, almost 3% earnings contraction next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see of, that on the chart. Yeah. Yeah, kind of flat going sideways here. It's under yeah. the. It's under the 200-day moving average. It's right at the 50-day. It looks like, like everything else, we're we're, it's just going to go sideways or roll over, and it's just really hard to get excited about it when you see estimates moving in the wrong direction and forecast for, for for a contraction in earnings next year. Yeah. So you got to be wary of some of these value traps that are out there. I I think okay. looking at the your your traditional old school domestic auto manufacturers in the same light that you did, you know, 30 years ago, it just isn't going to work. Okay. I think if, if you're going to find growth in this, this space, you're going to have to look at, you know, who's making the components, who's making some of the batteries, some of this newer technology where there's actually an opportunity for them uh, versus, you know, a, a, a huge Goliath that is like trying to, trying to do a, complete paradigm shift from their old business to a new business. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard That's to yeah. create opportunity when you're bogged down and all that. So who is the, in the component side that I should be looking at? So it, it depends on how fancy you want to get. Right. Okay. Um, so you have, you have these things like, um, you'll have like future tech, right? So, so somebody yeah. who's working on like autonomous technology, right? And, and they have sensors and things. So like uh, Luminar ticker, like L-A-Z-R, right? Okay. Um, where, where they're trying to make these components that Mercedes is gonna put in their next gen S class and, and uh, you know, the autonomous or, or automated driving features that like a Volvo has, and they have these partnerships that's given them huge revenue growth, you know, moving forward. And all they're doing is just trying to make this one little piece that's 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 going to make it better in the future. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, the battery tech, I think, moving forward is going to be huge. So, again, these are all like really small companies. So one of them's uh, Microvast, uh, MVST. Okay. Um, so that's the, like they, they make battery systems for EVs and like storage systems. So it's basically all battery related you know, type things. Uh, but the, the problem with these companies and these, these smaller, the kind of OEM parts providers is that the, the risk is inherent there because just because Mercedes has given them a shot, um, doesn't mean they're going to keep that contract forever. Right. Um, Mercedes might just, right? yeah, might just learn from them and then go, okay, thank yeah. you. Danke Shane. You know, right. Zane, and then they're doing it themselves. Okay. Right. Um, but you know, that's, but that, that's really where I think 
if you're gonna if you're gonna roll the dice on an auto manufacturer in the hopes that you know they get this EV thing right and it takes off, I think you're better off rolling the dice on on a smaller company that has you know a little bit of uh, uh, of at least upside potential or a lot of it rather of upside potential. Um, you know, for for the most part, but even like you know if you look at the automotive like OEM industry um, on our on our Zach's rank. Right now they're down. They're like in the bottom 33% of our our Zach's industry rank. Yeah. Um, which that means is that a lot of these companies uh, are seeing like a little bit of a step down in their earnings. Um, right. right. I've looked at a couple of these, and some of them are going to report this week. We're recording this, which is like the week of November 1st here. And so I'm kind of waiting to see what they say, but I'm just thinking about like the general component companies like a Lear or, you know, some of those that are making like the seats or the seat belts and things like that. Yeah. And a lot of them, uh, the earnings are coming down because of the delays in the semiconductors trickles down. So if sure. they're not going to build the car, then they don't need the seatbelt either. Exactly. So they're waiting on all that stuff. So, so that's yeah, the earnings to, look a tricky. Yeah, that's starting to finally work itself out. Um, okay. You know, some of these backlogs, uh, I don't, for a while, Mercedes just like suspended their V8s. So the only, okay. only V8 you could get was if you bought a G wagon or, or I think they, they had in the S class too, but like all the AMG stuff, they stopped making V8s. Okay. Uh, that's, that's changed now. So they kind of brought it back where they opened up production on, on some of the other ones, uh, recently. So, so they're starting to find their parts and it's starting to work itself through the system. There's still like absurd markups at a lot of these dealers over MSRP, okay. which is helping nobody but the actual dealers themselves. <clears throat> it's not helping the manufacturer. It's not helping the consumer. It's only helping. And in a lot of cases, it's not even helping the salesman. It's just the dealership lining their pockets with that extra juice. Yeah, I, I took a look at some of the dealerships because I have liked this area in the past. So one of the ones I owned in the value investor was Penske ticker PAG. And we sold a couple months ago because it felt like the stock just kind of peaked out. And um, now it's up again, actually, uh, because they had a record third quarter on, on EPS, at least when they just reported. But they have like multiple parts, multiple businesses. They, they do own almost 30% of Penske Transportation Solutions, which is like logistics. Yeah. yeah so truck dealerships. They do have 21, uh, they're called car shopped used super centers, but the sales there for the used cars were down 5%. And then they're also international. They're in Germany, Italy, Spain, Japan, and the UK on, with their dealerships. But the new and used cars, both of those were, were down. Um, but used vehicle sales just down 1% and used was down 8% does seem like they're kind of holding on for right now they are um but it, it's definitely it's definitely slowing and, the, and those big numbers the big over sticker numbers finally are, are going away yeah um what much. is happening on the used car side because i keep hearing mixed things about used cars that finally we're starting to see the inventory build a bit you don't have to pay you know outrageous prices on the used car side anymore and that there's just more to choose from so it's not like take it or leave it like it was a year ago um what is what is going on there so prices have softened uh, okay. dealers are being 
extra stingy with what they're offering consumers on those used cars because they think in terms of like buying the inventory, right? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're prepping right now for, for an, a really nasty dip lower. Okay. That's kind of, so, so they're, they are, they're circling the wagons right now and they think things are, are going to get worse for these used car prices, which is better for us though. Right. It's better for the consumer right. because yeah. with, with rates ticking up, um, just like it affects that, the housing market, right? It's definitely going to affect the used car market because if used car prices come crashing down, one of your one of your main factors in buying a new car is going to be how much they're giving you for your old car. Yeah. So if these used car prices start coming down, then all of a sudden that new car that's even more expensive becomes that much more expensive. And then as the yeah. rates tick on up, it's even more so. Um, you're going to see people kind of go like, wait a minute. I, you know, I, I pay, I was paying, you know, cause people don't, the, the sticker doesn't really matter. Right. What, what matters is what's coming out of their pocket every month. Cause they can, right. they can see that that makes more sense. Yeah. So if, if you were paying $600 for your used car and you go to trade it in and they were going to give you exactly what you paid for it, you get a new one and your payment stays at $600, you're golden. Yeah. But if you come in and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, well, we can't give you that much for that car and rates have gone up. So it's going to be $900 for you to make that move. You're just not going to make that move. I did see uh, some stats, you know, that they've been floating around that uh, 14% of the monthly payments that people are paying now, 14% are over $1,000 a month now for the car. And that's like a, a new high. Used to yeah. be like 6% or something before the pandemic. Oh, for sure. I can see that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's before the rates even ticked up even more dramatically. That was I'm, even before that. I so mean, I, I can't imagine the sticker shock going in there with these kinds of rates and and seeing like, oh, I have to pay, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month now for. Yeah. I mean, hundred thousand dollar cars used to be like an anomaly at a dealership. You'd be like, yeah. oh, my gosh, their flagship is a is a hundred thousand dollars. Now there's like, just just pick your your average luxury SUV. It's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and I look. I mean, for, Cadillac <laughs> Escalades are going for twenty thousand over MSRP when MSRP is one hundred and eight. Yeah. And then and then you're like, okay, forget the Escalade. I want to look at the Grand Wagoneer, right? We're still talking about a Jeep. It's a nice car, but it's a Jeep Cherokee that they've rebranded yeah. and put shiny stuff on. And they're and they're getting a hundred thousand dollars for for a Grand Wagoneer. Wow! I mean, it's crazy. Pickup trucks, hundred thousand dollar pickup trucks. So, what's the end game there? Isn't it? Are you are you saying like that that market's going to collapse or? I think that well, look, when used cars come down, the new cars will come back to MSRP. The dealers. Are gonna have to team up with the manufacturers to offer lower rates. Yeah. Because again, the sticker doesn't matter as much, right? Right. So right. how does how is that gonna affect them if they're doing, you know, zero percent financing on right? Cost? They're gonna they're gonna have to do what the home builders are doing and like buy down the rate themselves. Right. But they won't yeah. care because that's that that's why they're gonna keep the MSRP high. Yeah. So right. they'll just yeah. bake in a cushion for themselves. Yeah. That'll take care of that problem. But we've we've had these conversations that like, oh, the days of zero percent car loans are over. People were talking about that 
five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> they're still around and they're, they're always going to be around because they've just managed to sort of move. Just move things. It's all a shell game, especially yeah. when they keep when they keep the financing in house. If you notice a lot of these deals on these new cars, you go buy, uh, you know, a Chevy, you're going through GM financial. Right. You're not going through Chase. Right. Yeah. Not going yeah. through wherever else. Um, so if they can keep it, keep it in house, it's, it's, it's overall, it's, it's less riskier for them in the grand scheme to do that. Cause then they can always just package up that paper and sell it off anyway, if they really needed it, but they don't really need it. They just need the cash flow anyway. So they don't care. So would you stay away from the dealer stocks here, even though they're pretty cheap? Penske's trading at 6.2 times. Lithia, which now calls itself LAD because they're trying to rebrand because they have the online driveway business now. Right. They're trading at 4.3 times, but it does look like for both of them, earnings expected to be down next year. Lithia is actually number five because the analysts all cut after this last earnings report because things are slowing. So should it seems like I should stay on the sidelines with the dealers. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm avoiding them. Okay. Moving forward, um, I think it just, you know, they did so great. They were so good in that COVID run-up or yeah. post-COVID run-up um, that just because it looked like they're on sale doesn't doesn't mean that the sale is done, right? Right. Right. So things okay. could 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 definitely get get cheaper over there. And you know, we're just now talking about these used car used car prices rolling over. Um, you know, we're nowhere near the bottom of it. That and, usually comes with, you know, uh, when unemployment rises, right? It's usually when you start to see a little bit more stress in the consumer. Um, you know, maybe they can't make the payments. And so some of those leases come back in to the dealers, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I know like repo rates are starting to tick tick up higher kind of a, a, across the board but you know of course it's going to take up higher you had to pay a lot more yeah. for those cars yeah um maybe you stretched out a little bit and 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 uh felt good about getting that you know huge huge bump on your trade-in so now you're like oh i can afford a few few hundred more you know on this other yeah. car and then all of a sudden you can't so yeah yeah um, there's one other auto company we haven't talked about, and they're reporting earnings this week on November 2nd. So if you're listening to this podcast later, they've already reported, but it is Ferrari, ticker R-A-C-E. We've, we've mentioned them many times on the show in the past. They always were very expensive, but the shares have come down 24% now this year, but PE is still at 40 for that one. And yeah. you've always liked Ferrari in the past, the stock yeah. even. So what, what's your take now? So the, the Pearl Sangue, the SUV, uh, they've, they will be out here very shortly. Okay. Um, you know, they've already taken deposits from clients and they're, they're ready to rock. And uh, what is that price? What's the price on that one? So the base MSRP is just under 400 grand. Wow. That okay. does not, you know, once, <laughs> once you once you start optioning it out, um, you know, you're going to be half a mil plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be like a kind of scared to drive it around. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I it, they, they, they've said they're going to they're going to limit the production to 20 percent of their okay. production numbers. Okay. Uh, so they're, they're they're keeping it 
there is a little bit of exclusivity. So, so what's happened yeah. with Ferrari is um, they've expanded the brand in this, into a lot of other models. Okay. You know, it used to be there's basically three models you can get. You know, now there's like 15, and they're going to keep expanding. There's going to be more and more. Like, okay. uh, trying to remember the exact number. I thought, I thought they said they're going to introduce something like 15 more models or 12 more models b before the end of 2025. Wow. Okay. But but to be fair, they count. You know, the there's the coupe. That's one model. The convertible. That's another model. The performance version is another model. So. It's not like a, an entirely yeah. new, you know, it's not like all of a sudden they're going to start making minivans. Um, right. You know, they're just unveiling new ones and updates to old ones and, and all types of stuff going on there. So uh, the exclusivity of Ferrari as a brand overall um, is not going to be what it used to be 30 years ago. However, there will still be models in their line which will be incredibly exclusive that you know that you have to earn you know through their merit system right yeah um so th that's their plan on how they're going to maintain um the brand image now the other thing is they've really expanded their licensing um which has been a big you know driver of of revenues for them uh, and now they're in the fashion world. Do you know that? Oh. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole Ferrari clothing line, like high-end fashion clothing line uh, that they've been working on recently. So okay. in addition to, you know, the Ferrari world, Dubai, uh, and things like that. Oh, they, they, yeah, they, that. Have, yeah. they have amusement parks. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and it's all, you know, um, you know, Enzo wants it all for the racing team. I mean, ideally that's what this was is they sold road cars so they could finance the racing team. Okay. Um, so that's all of this still kind of funnels into that F1 team um, where, where the real focus is. So they have that racing heritage. Um, they thought they were going to get it together for the formula one season this year, but Red Bull had other ideas. And, and um, so there's always next year in terms of them, you know, turning it around as a race team, but in terms of their their sales, the Pearl Sangue is going to be a big boost. They're going to have great margins on that car. It's also going to be the the big V12 engine inside of there, um, which kind of helps their whole emissions thing um, because they're limiting it, right? Because yeah. they can't have all the they can't all be V12s, unfortunately. Um, so that that's part. The regulations are helping to to limit. The production on on that car too. So, uh, this isn't the first time that they made a car that uh, raised some eyebrows. Uh, okay. They made the uh, the Ferrari FF, which was a, was a two door station wagon or a shooting brake rather, uh, and, and then and then that evolved into the GTC4 Lusso, which again it's like an all wheel drive V12 um, station wagon essentially, a shooting brake. Okay. Shooting brake is a station wagon with two doors instead wow. of four. Um, anyway, so then this SUV now, uh, you know, who would have thunk that Ferrari would have an SUV, but you yeah. know, you look over at Lamborghini and the Urus, um, is like 80% of their production or something ridiculous like that. So, 
they're just printing money over there. So Ferrari's like, hey, wait a minute. You know, we have shareholders to to answer to now. And the shareholders want to know why right. we're not selling an SUV for half a million dollars when we can. Yeah. Um, so, so so I guess that's that's a very long-winded way of saying that uh, I think Ferrari's earnings picture still looks pretty darn good. I'd say okay. it looks better now than it did when the stock was at 270 um, at the end of last year. Yeah. So they're still booked out. I mean, their order book is insane. Um, if you're a newbie walking into Ferrari dealer right now, like you're me, I think, I think maybe you can get a two nine six in like three years. Wow. Um, if, if you, you know, if you just come and say, Hey, I want to buy a car, um, yeah. the order book on, I mean, the pro song was sold out before they even revealed it. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I do see that uh, earnings are expected to be up for next year on Ferrari. So, yeah, it could be could be a buying opportunity, but it is definitely at that growth evaluation at the 40 times. Yeah, but But they're going to have it. It has growth. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have the growth. um, And and what their challenge is going to be, it's almost like the uh, it's the Michael Kors challenge. So what I mean by that is back before. You know, when Michael Kors was its own, just its own brand before he, you know, turned into Capri Holdings and bought Versace and all that. Right. Uh, Michael Kors had an air of exclusivity about it. Yeah. There wasn't a Michael Kors in every mall. Right. Um, and they had like really high end stuff. Well, what happened is they just kind of got a little greedy and started putting Michael Kors everywhere. And then it, there goes the exclusivity. And then they started watering down the brand and having like built for outlet stuff and, and, all, yeah. and all types of things. Where you really, you know, you, you you took that you took that off the table. Now, obviously, Ferrari has this racing heritage and this iconic brand, which you're not gonna you're not gonna water that down um, in a couple of years, right? It's just not gonna happen. But my fear is that the appeal of growth to the bottom line is going to blur the vision and the brand of Ferrari in, in the future. Okay. Like Mercedes. Mercedes was top of the line. Awesome. Ridiculous. And then all of a sudden you're making C classes, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. And and it dropped it way down and then now they're trying to get it back. Well, Oh no, we'll have an AMG line. So they, they differentiate that way. It's a lot of luxury companies do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of does it. Ralph Lauren, what was it, blue line or purple line? What do they call that? Purple. Uh, Ralph Lauren, purple line. I forget, but yes, they did. Everybody, yeah, they have that brand differentiator, you know? Yeah. Um, And Ferrari was always just supposed to be, yo, Ferrari is the brand differentiator. So they they have a challenge moving forward on how they maintain that and keep that. Um, I I think they are going to do it. Um, I think in the meantime, they should be making some money. But part of what commands that 40 P.E., is that brand exclusivity. So we'll see how they can balance it all. So I was taking a look while you were talking there at the Ferrari world. It's in Abu Dhabi. And I'm kind of surprised you haven't been here yet, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) It does look pretty cool. You can actually get in a Ferrari and drive it like with one of their instructors, apparently. And then they have like one of the world's fastest roller coasters, various other things. And you can get a two-day, two-park pass to go to either Ferrari World 
and then either Yas Waterworld, which is on that island, or the Warner Brothers World Abu Dhabi, which is also there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a long fun. way from home. Uh, yeah. I'd like to I'd like to visit Marinello first, I think. What's where that? Fa- where the factory is. Oh, okay. That would be cool too. Yeah. So be- it's like going to the um Bush factory in St. Louis, but for cars. Yeah, yeah. Going yeah. to the uh, Miller Lite brewing plant over in Yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. We're all <laughs> we're all starts. Um Neat. But yeah, I heard. What, what, now, is it hard to get tickets to go in to see the Ferrari plant? Do you have to plan it real far uh, in advance, or you, you are? Yeah, you're supposed to uh, go through the proper channels to make sure you're you're properly received when you go there. Okay, so it's uh, not just open to the general public like like bushes or you know um, some of the, I, I, the breweries I, are. I I think there's like levels of access. Okay. So if you really want like a, an awesome behind the scenes sort of thing, you got to go through the proper channels um, versus just cool. it would pop up. Yeah, I'm looking at it up right now because, you know, who doesn't want to go to Italy and then tour the car? Like, oh, and there's so Italy. many of them there, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you're right there. You can probably might as well pop, oh, yeah. pop around. It says you can do a bus tour to one of the tracks and all this stuff. Neat. Yeah. OK. Either one. You should go and. Come back on the podcast and give us a review. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's going to be an A plus. Like, I already yeah. know. Yeah, I already know where yeah. to eat. I have friends that have gone there. They've made oh. me very jealous. They've shown me pictures and videos and all types of stuff. Neat. Uh, it's like but, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I bet it, it does go to what you were saying about the brand, the strength of the brand. That is always the key when buying any of a luxury brand. Is you know, does it have this kind of uh, you know? worship or like cult-like status thing or someone wants to go to see the factory of it even. And if it does, that's always a good sign, no matter what the, what it's in. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I've been to the, uh, every time I used to drive from Florida to Chicago, I'd stop at the Corvette museum and Bowling Green. Yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Who's has a similar cult following. Yeah. That's cool because they had a, they had a row that was Corvette parking only. Oh. I thought that was a neat little, <laughs> neat little twist they gave. <laughs> okay. Well, there is a lot going on in cars and auto industry in general. So um, thanks for coming on, Dave, and explaining, you know, what is happening out there. Because it, it seems like it's going to be kind of up in the air for many months here as we go forward in this industry. Um, let me recap all the stock tickers we talked about. There were quite a few of them. So of course there's Tesla ticker TSLA. Then we had General Motors, GM, Ford is just F as in Frank, F as in Ford, F just F. Toyota is T as in Tom, M as in Mary, TM. Then, uh, Dave mentioned some of these small component makers. The Luminar is L-A-Z-R. Uh, L as in Larry, A as in Adam, Z as in Zoo, and R as in Robert. And um, the other one he mentioned is Microvast, which is M as in Mary, V as in Victor, ST. That one I actually took a look at. It's down 56% year to date. It has a market cap of $750 million. So it is on the smaller side. Um, like Dave said. And then we talked a little bit just briefly, threw them out there about a couple of the components. There's Lear, they're reporting soon, ticker LEA, 
Um, another one you might want to look at that I didn't mention is Magna International. They're one of the big ones with a 16 billion market cap. M as in Mary, G as in George, A as in Adam is the ticker for that one. It's down 30% year to date. And then we talked a little bit about the dealerships, Lithium Motors, which is trying to rebrand into LAD, is ticker LAD. Penske is ticker PAG, P as in Paul, A as in Adam, G as in George. And then we wrapped it up with Ferrari. Last but not least, Ferrari is race, R as in Robert, A as in Adam, C, and then E. R-A-C-E. Very good ticker. And as always, you want to be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'm bringing you stocks every week and you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and anywhere you get your podcasts, but be sure to get it. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.